We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. From the Clark Ford Studio in Oxford, Mississippi, MBW Digital proudly presents the Oxford Exxon Podcast. I'd say thanks for tuning in, but why am I going to give you a round of applause for something you're supposed to do, to be frank? And now, here are your hosts, Chase Parm. And broadcast school has really paid off. And Neil McCready. I deserve to be on TV. Welcome in to the MPW Digital Post Game Show presented by Dead Soxy. I'm Chase Parm, and we'll be here to uh, recap Ole Miss's 27-20 win over Arkansas. Kind of a crazy game. Um, Ole Miss leading by 10 at the half. Arkansas taking the lead after scoring on three straight possessions there in the third quarter. And then the Rebels really kind of finding a surge on both sides of the football, showing some resilience that that they've shown all season in a way. It's kind of become their character a little bit. We're going to talk about that. With Jeffrey Wright coming up, uh, Brian Rippey joining the show, Neil obviously when he is uh, done with stuff in the stadium as well. So we'll get to all of those things here in a uh, in a second. Also, um, but first we'll tell you about uh, Dead Soxy again. Dead Soxy, the uh, sponsor of the show, makes this happen every single week and has for a while now. We appreciate them in a lot of different ways, and hopefully you're wearing some of those uh, socks in the process tonight if you're at Valhingway Stadium. For your uh, evening, because several of you have inquired because you missed the initial score sell at the start of the season. Even the Rebels are off next week. Dead Soxy does not want to take a week off. They don't take a week off. Enjoy 40% off from your favorite sock brand until the start of the Auburn game on October 21st. That's right. Take a break. Kick those feet up. Lock in some red and blue socks. There's an incredible 40% off discount. Visit DeadSoxy.com. Use the code REBELGROVE. Again, 40% off. The best socks you'll ever wear. Sit back, relax, stay soxy. 40% off. You can't beat that there with Dead Soxy. That's dress socks. That's no-shows. It's uh, all their different options they have uh, going on there as uh, as well. So we'll get to Jeffrey in a second. Remember, this will go up in podcast form immediately. So if you miss some of it, you can catch it there as uh, well. All podcasts on MPW Digital brought to you by Twisted T. More on that in a little bit as well. So again, a lot of stuff going on. Here on the show, but Ole Miss uh, survives 27-20 over the Arkansas Razorbacks. Let's get into it, see if I can get Jeffrey on the line and get his uh, his take on some of this uh, this game as uh, as well. Yeah, we're going to get into some officiating stuff as well. Don't worry, we'll we'll we'll, we'll get into that. That's not going to be a uh, it's not going to be a problem. Jeffrey, can you hear me? Yep, I can finally okay. hear you. There we go. All right, Jeffrey Wright joining. I'll get him put into the show in a uh, in a second, so you can see him as well. No, I'm not sleepy tonight. I'm okay. Uh, it's not even ten, it's barely ten o'clock. We're uh, we're all right with this one. 
Yeah, I know. We know we we know Jeffrey's mic is hot. It's okay. We were not uh we were not caught off guard by that to uh tonight. Jeffrey, did you uh I'm gonna start here because I'm gonna go all over the place. I don't even really know specifically what to make of it, but when Arkansas scores on those three straight possessions in the third quarter, what's kind of going through your head at that point? Are you thinking they're in they're in deep trouble? Okay, so the thing that I thought was interesting tonight was even when they fell behind, I still felt like they were winning the game, didn't you? I thought they lost momentum there once Arkansas went ahead simply because of the way they were playing on uh, on offense because it looked so disjointed and they kind of, you know, Dart was banged up and they were making mistakes and it wasn't simply that Arkansas was stopping them, but some of their self-inflicted errors were causing so many problems at that point. I guess the way that I felt about it was even though – even when they fell behind, it still felt like they – Lane Lane still controlled the game. Like I still felt like the entire the entire game was to Ole Miss's liking, even if it wasn't like, all right, well, it's not like a wild shootout, whatnot. I just felt like Ole Miss always just felt in control. Had Arkansas scored when they were down twenty four twenty, had Arkansas gone down, and sc- I think I would have changed my tune. I just felt like the entire time, though, Ole Miss knew, like, if they have to put one drive together, they were going to be able to do it. And this game, you know what this game reminded me of? Uh, remember the Vanderbilt game? I think it was, was it after Texas A&M, Matt's, uh, whatever, junior year? Yes. That's what this game reminded me of. Like, everybody knew what this was. The goal was get out of here with a win. Um, I, I did not feel like Ole Miss emptied the clip at all. I just felt like they did enough and they knew that they, like they weren't, they weren't sharp. They weren't great, but they kind of knew the whole time they were going to be like, they were going to have to lose it. And they didn't, they didn't really, didn't really make the critical mistake. They did not, um, like, I thought it was very interesting that like, think about how many times Lane punted. To me, that suggested that he felt like they were in control. The irony of that is the one time he does a punt, he makes the decision yeah. there where if you pin him back, Arkansas had just done nothing on yeah. offense. Because when you you know, you look at this game, and again, I know we're sort of just joining on, on talking about it, but Enos is not very good at all. They, they're pedestrian on offense. You thought that if Ole Miss could score any points whatsoever, they were going to run away with this football game simply because Arkansas was not going to be able to keep up. And with the way the sort of the momentum had gone right there and the way Ole Miss kind of looked on offense and the way Arkansas had found a little bit, it was the strangest part for me was if, if there was a time to punt, that was it. Pin them back, make them go 80, make them go 85, and just see what happens. And instead, it sort of let Arkansas get more momentum, and that's when they became a bowling ball a bit that I thought they, one time they might have been in a little bit of trouble. <laughs> I think, though, if you if you look at what actually old really well tonight, if you look at yards per rush, like sack adjusted, I think they just thought they would be able to get the yard. Like – in the end, well, it was fourth and five. Yeah, yeah, but like, I don't know. I feel like the, I feel like this was the classic. We oftentimes we make football more than it is. Ole Miss won scrimmage. Now that's what I think is the best thing for Ole Miss tonight. Like, yeah, uh, Arkansas is reeling, and Arkansas has not been um, 
as good up front, I think, as they would have liked to have been. But the fact that Ole Miss won both lines of scrimmage to me was uh, – I took note of that. Arkansas was awful on the offensive front, and Ole Miss absolutely took advantage of that. They were clear in a way better. They 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 held Arkansas to. I mean, what rushing? I've got stats up. I'll find them in a second. But hardly anything at all on the do ground. You want, do that, you want total? Do you want total or do you want yards per rush? Uh, either one. And then they sacked Jefferson what five times? Uh, yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, uh, five sacks for thirty-three yards. Um, one point two yards per rush. Sack adjusted though was only two point nine. Okay. Yeah. Ran it for thirty-six yards. That's you know what I mean. Like I do think that's why Lane was kind of coaching the way that he like in the end. The reason why I never felt like Ole Miss was really threatened is the things that Arkansas need do to win. They were never able to do it. What do you make of this team? I mentioned it at the beginning, but you know, last week against LSU, we, I we talked know. about. I, I was actually, I was actually going to ask you the same questions. Like, let's let's just use this one question. Yeah. Do you think they're good? Because I don't know. Like, I I asked myself. I'm watching this game, and I I don't know the answer. I don't. I know obviously they're not bad. I I don't know where. I don't know how I'd answer that question. Do I think they're good? I think Jackson's good, and, and so I guess in a league where there's not a lot of great quarterbacks, maybe that's a differentiating factor. No, they're good because that's what you're saying. Like the t- College football has changed so much into 2023 yeah. on what good means. And the reason why they're good is, they, yes, they, they have an upper-tier quarterback. I know Dart was whatever tonight, but he, he's, a, he's a damn competitor. He did, he did enough. How, how many they were fine. Ask it this way. How many quarterbacks in the league would you trade Dart for? One. Jaden Daniels. And he beat. And by the way, he beat him. Yeah, and he won the game last week. So no, Ole Miss is good because they have a quarterback. They, for all their faults, have been opportunistic enough on defense. Because frankly, defense didn't lose the Alabama game. They didn't lose. They lost the Alabama game because they didn't score points against an elite no, I, defense. No, the offense. Alabama game. Yeah, special 100%. teams. There. No. Chase, if I would have said. Yeah. Before the Alabama game, if I would have said they're going to score, Alabama's going to score 24 points, wouldn't you have liked Ole Miss's chances? Oh, 100%. Yeah, I mean, I would have taken Ole Miss to win, and I'd put real money on it at that point. That's my point. They're, they're pretty good at special yeah. teams for the most part, most of the time. And even more than that, what you're seeing and what tonight, which I think I think the story of tonight was, is, again, it's Ole Miss winning the game they're supposed to win. Outside of last season's ending, They've done that the entire time of Lane, of Lane Kiffin's tenure, and that's what differentiates teams that are good and not good right now. Is you win the games you're, you're supposed to win because college football has become so week to week and so emotional that if you just do what you're supposed to do and keep your head down and find ways to do it, even if it's ugly, you're going to pile up wins. I mean, Ole Miss is going to be favored in maybe every game outside of Georgia the rest of the way. They're five and one at the break. They're 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 not doing what so many other teams is doing, which is laying that huge egg. And they've had several times they've had several opportunities to do that. They easily could have lost last week. They were down ten with eight minutes to go, or whatever that was, when they got the ball back against LSU. Frankly, Tulane was a seven point game with two thirty to go, or whatever it was. And then tonight, I, I, Arkansas I think, had I think the lead. Year, 
I think last year's team loses to, uh, to Tulane. I mean, Dart said that. He said absolutely they would yeah. have lost that game last year. Yeah, I definitely do. So, no, I, I think that's what separates them. I think it's quarterback play, and it's the ability that, frankly, this is a pretty tough football team mentally. Yeah, I think the other thing, like, because when you mentioned week to week, I think the other thing that's huge is for all the knocks against Kiffin and the big wins, which, by the way, um, hey, Hugh, uh, I'm assuming you're listening, because I've noticed all of that narrative is coming from Hugh Freeze-centric people. This seems pretty darn good at home. And I think that's another big deal. It's like hold serve at home, win your games at home, and then, uh, you know, when you go on the road and you got a chance to knock them out or you got to win on the road, take advantage of it. And so far, that's kind of what this team has done. Like, in the end, this team's one loss is at Alabama. Is there anyone that wouldn't have signed up for 5-1 and one at the break? Yeah, I predicted four and two. I thought four and two, and then eight and four. And I mean, you have to change that expectation now. Now it's a t- now anything less than frankly. I mean, I, and we'll talk about this in a minute because after we get done with the game. But from a big picture standpoint, anything less than nine and three is a disappointment at this point. Once you're five and one, because that even at nine and three, that's a loss to A and M in Georgia. If you don't beat A and M or Georgia and you lose to anybody else, it's a disappointment now. Nine and three is your baseline. Yeah, I hadn't really thought about it until like, you laid it out like that, but you're right. I mean, in the end, like, yeah, you're going to play Auburn after the break at all. Same time, like, guys, if y'all can't go beat them, like, <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know. Just like, go out, score them. They're pretty good defensively, but they suck offensively. Just go win the game. 100%. They, they literally cannot throw the football. Their only way to move the ball is to, like, do, like, Tricky with the ball. Uh, yes, I, I agree. What's that A and M line going to be? If Ole Miss beats Auburn, beats A&M's Vanderbilt, weird. A and M's weird because now, like I thought they should have probably won today. At the same time, like, hey, they made every critical mistake that you could make. They did. I mean, is it possible Ole Miss is even favored in that game? That's my point. I think they are favored. If Ole Miss is 7-1 and one in that game, it's at home. Ole Miss is going to be favored. The only game left Ole Miss is not favored in is Georgia on the road. That's yeah. it. Ole Miss is going to be – I mean, today Ole Miss would be a three-point favorite over a and At home? Yeah, because yeah. I imagine on a neutral field it's probably a pick em. Especially because you see – Johnson without, you know, unless – now, granted, Johnson against Alabama's defense looks a lot different than Johnson versus other defenses because he had no time and he holds on to the ball way too long. But, yeah, I think you're probably right. I, I mean, I just – I think that's where this team is right now. And, you know, and, and look, they're, they're getting these contributions. Again, I, I don't have stats. Let me, let me pull them up real quick because I am curious about this. Jordan Watkins – I got it. What do you want? Well, we talked about it last week. Jordan Watkins goes, what, eight catches for 86 tonight? He was uh, awesome again tar- today. Eight targets, seven okay. to 86 yards. So he, he – but, I mean, to me that's a huge – when you basically catch every target, like that's kind of a big deal to me. 
he doesn't drop balls ever. Exactly. He has three drops in his in his career, and it's like 185 targets. 38 yards after the catch. I was trying to see how many went for first downs. Because didn't it feel like the time he caught the ball, it was like, oh, that was... Including that huge catch. third down conversion. Yes. In the fourth quarter, they, they kept things going. I, I guess sorry, that's where I was going, is they won a game tonight with Trey Harris having one catch for 26 yards. That was it. Five targets and only one catch for Trey Harris tonight, and yet they won a game. Watkins showed up again. He's he's become a above average, borderline elite wide receiver in the SEC. And then I don't even think this is a hot take. Ulysses Bentley's their best running back. I yeah I, I agree with you. That's not he's their most productive running back. I don't thirteen know carries, ninety four yards. Again, I I think Judkins is not healthy. Um, but I agree with you because. Bentley is the one running back that gives them speed that you can tell like defenses are clearly like, Oh, we didn't see that. Like, you know what I mean? Like he like bounces one to the outside and defenses weren't accounting for it. Um, and he's getting downhill better. It's like one cut and then go. Yeah. And especially in this offense where like, like this idea that this offensive line was all of a sudden going to be fixed like they're not going to be fixed, but they can be good enough. And like that's that's largely been my point the entire time. It's like, do I think that like this is the best line in the country? Like, no, but they can definitely be good enough. I, I think the touching on something that interests me. How many great teams are there in college football right now? Because I think I think you're right. I think the difference between. I think the problem is if we're comparing this Ole Miss team to other, you know, nine, ten win teams, I don't know if, like, they would line up head-to-head and be favored. But that's not who they have to play. They have to play who's on on the schedule. And I think that's the key thing to me this year is I just don't see a lot of great teams in college football. I do think – I think we finally reached the era in which people are like, oh, there is the talents actually spread out. Because I think for a while, the talent is spread out, parity, all that was kind of overdone. I think now we're kind of there. We're there with a fairly large group of teams that yeah. they can, they're all interchangeable to beat each other. And we're fairly interchangeable with another 15 teams that absolutely can sne- can sneak up and get you on a given yes. day. That they're not interchangeable and, and inside 15, those situations. And honestly, 15 might be low. I think there might yeah. be 30 teams. Yeah. I think if you get like – I think teams 20 through 50 if, on the right day at home, I, I think they can all be you. It's the teams that – are consistent. They're going to become a lead. It's about consistency, quarterback play, and kind of staying to a process. My point with Ole Miss is they're finding a way to just yeah. win football games. And it it's what puts them in that category because it's what it's what's made Alabama – look, Alabama has a stranglehold right now in the SEC West because unless you think Ole Miss is beating Georgia and winning out, Alabama would have to lose three SEC games. So they're in really good shape to go to Atlanta. And the reason that they're doing this – 
is because they have found a methodical identity that they at least are showing up and doing the same thing week after week right now. I get it's just three weeks in a row, but they found sort of a process to them. It's not that they're – now, look, defensively, they're damn good. They're elite up front. But outside of that, they have found an identity to at least know what they are. And college football right now is about identity and consistency. And then it's also – it's also – you know, it's where – like I said, and this is what's fascinating for next year – did Lane figure something out with the portal and putting a roster together where he believes that he can have this type of cohesiveness? Because like I said, he bragged on it all in August. And it's it's what's made the story of this team is he goes, no, 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 it's not like last year. We like these guys better. They're more of a team. It's all this stuff. And it's processed into wins right now versus last year it didn't. Is there some secret sauce to that? Or is every season simply going to be throwing this stuff in the cauldron and seeing what comes out? Okay, so I just stumbled as you were talking it out. I kind of thought through it. Lane stumbled upon. You know the easiest way to have a consistent offense, have a consistent quarterback. Yeah. And whether or not it was by design, whether or not it was uh, unintentional, Lane lit a fire under Jackson this year, and. I mean, what's Jackson's worst game? I guess you say Alabama, but did you feel like Jackson was awful against Alabama? His worst game's tonight, but he's hurt. He did not play. He was hurt on the first drive. He played the entire game injured. And I think what Lane has stumbled upon is, hey, if I can get a high quarterback and I can get him in my system and get him to play consistently, I'm always going to have a chance. And I think that's kind of from like, and if you want to like game theory it out, okay, well, that's why he went and got Walker Howard. Like, he you know, you know what I mean? Like he either, either he was going to have Spencer Sanders this year, who is a proven entity, or he was going to have a better Jackson dart than last year. Well, he's got a better Jackson dart than he had last year. And that's keeping them in every game. Like even, even though it's oh my god! Yeah, I know. Sorry, are you watching? I think you're watching my, uh, Miami. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You want to let everyone know what what, what just happened? Yeah, everybody, man. It looks like they're racking the stream too. One second left, but essentially a walk off touchdown for Georgia Tech, forty four yards to uh, Devin Leary. So, you know what's weird to me? Um, why, why is everyone nitpicking? I feel like I can't believe I'm saying this because I love to make fun of Ole Miss people primarily because I live with them. Um, <laughs> not just you, sweetie, my, my <laughs> brothers, my father, everyone. Um, why is everyone nitpicking Ole Miss's resume? I don't think the resume at. I feel like Ole Miss's resume amongst the actual people that I care, like I care about their opinions. I feel like their resume is getting picked apart. And I just don't think it's that bad. Well, no, they're getting held to a standard that is completely against what we're just talking about. Is that in today's college football, their resume is completely fine. Like, I mean, the message board's doing this and I don't agree with it. Tulane was a good win. Tulane's a good team. I I don't care that, trust me. Tulane's defensive line is better than Arkansas's defensive line. 1,000%. 1,000%. And by the way, I think Tulane's playmakers right now 
might be better than Arkansas's playmakers. No, because because uh, Arkansas's offensive line is so bad, it neutralizes Sanders. But I mean, didn't you feel like weren't you a lot more scared of what Tulane presented offensively than you were Arkansas? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I think I mean, that's, the could... other, that's the other reason why I never really got like I never really thought Ole Miss was going to lose because I just never felt like Arkansas could hit a play. And I think that's it. Ole Miss defensively neutralized Arkansas in most every way. They got after KJ. They held the running game to 30-whatever yards, rushing, all that different stuff. And we just watched two weeks ago LSU have to go haymaker after haymaker to beat this same Arkansas team. Yeah. I mean, like, that's the thing. And that was in Baton Rouge. Like, you know, it was. Like, I got a home Ole game Miss, against them. It was I felt it just... Ole Miss, like... If Ole Miss needed to get a stop, they did. And I do want to give a shout-out. Like, I think Pete Golding's done a hell of a job this year. I mean, Chase, this defense sucked last year. Mm-hmm. Like, I, and I know there's new bodies, whatever, 16, 17 new bodies, whatnot. But, like, he's also responsible for some of the new bodies. But also, think about how often in the second half, like, I think this team gets better as the game goes on. And I think that's because they're better coached than they were last year. And Aaliyah wants to give a shout-out to Delta State because Pete is a Delta State guy and Aaliyah is a Delta State gal. So uh, I believe also Pete was in the football office when you were in the admissions office. No, no, no. He was a GA when I was a freshman. He was a GA when Aaliyah was a freshman. So apparently, go okra. It's all the Delta. It's a feeder system, obviously, at this point. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, that, that's, we, that's what it is. Listen, the great ones. Listen, shout out to Coach Tommy Harrison. My offensive line coach, special team, one of my favorite human beings to ever live. As he famously said, Ali is the exception to this, but he goes, you never start at Delta State. You finish at Delta State. That's a good point. Yeah. After, after you get sent home, after you get sent home from Ole Miss, you finish at Delta State. That was yeah. Coach Harrison said, not you. The transitive property cannot work here because, yeah, Bowling Green bashes Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech yeah. beats Miami. Miami beats no, but Texas it's, A&M. It's the NFL. Like, you, I feel like you and I were – because you and I actually like the NFL. Like, we are – we're the rare breed that could understand, yes, you can watch SEC football, like football on Sundays. You and I very quickly were like, oh, yeah, it's just going to be week to week. And I think that's what you have to recognize. Like, it's just going to be week to week this year. I mean, for guy out loud, Arizona's up 17 nothing on USC, and they just got the ball back. Which, by the way, can we get a live line? Uh, we'll okay. <laughs> We're looking. Payday Pat's in town. Oh. It's going to be a late night then. Uh, yeah, okay. Uh, could be. Back to this big picture thing, because like I said, right. we, can, we can analyze this game all we want to, but whatever. I mean, they they, they win 27-20. They played well enough. They withstood a scare. They need to start hitting some field goals. They can't miss those because that's not good. You're, you're going to lose yeah, games. Yeah, the, the 30 the 30-yard field goals, you got it. Like, my thing is, but in a weird way, could I be validated last week? I know everyone was like, oh, no, you, you go down, you go down. I just don't want to leave it up to a college kicker. In the NFL – uh, 100%. Go down. It's an extra go. point. I don't care. <sighs> Missed 30 yarders tonight. And by the way, when everyone goes, it's an extra point, 
the odds of it being straight on are not great. They were probably going to be on a hash. And LSU had three balls into the end zone. Just saying. Yeah, well, they had eight guys back. Yeah, as as Siski just texted me, though, I mean, Miami here could have just knelt down and ran out the clock, and instead they hand it off and fumble and then lose the football game. Yeah, it's going to go really well. By the way, Mario Cristobal, everyone always knows, Tyler, um, Mario's game management, great stuff. He's He's been excellent. We've got two weeks, but we're going to exhaust this Hugh Lane, Auburn, Ole Miss thing to freaking death over the next two weeks. Uh, what's kind of your main picture of where Auburn's at right now? Um, I mean, I think we do have to like watch. You know, Hugh took over the offense. So, did they empty the clip against Georgia? Because they, they did a lot of quarterback run. They did stuff that Georgia wasn't ready for. And they clearly had Georgia on their back heels. Was that sustainable? Or was that, hey, we put something out there that no one's seen. And, uh, like, uh, I, I think that's the real question. Because the problem is, the reason why I never thought Auburn was ever going to win that game is they still can't throw it. If you're one-dimensional, I'm very confident that Pete, Pete and that defense can stop a one-dimensional team. I think we saw that tonight. Like, if you're going to beat Ole Miss, like, give Alabama credit. Part of the reason why they won was because they hit deep shots. When it just came down to running the football, Ole Miss did a pretty good job. So the question is, can can Auburn actually be two-dimensional? Can they put pressure on Ole Miss, both throwing and running? My guess is no. I'm curious to know next week. I mean, Auburn's got a game and Ole Miss doesn't. So, like, I'm curious to know, can Auburn actually get the passing game going? Who do they have next week? Uh, was it? Uh, it uh, I feel like it's... It's all... Because they didn't play today, right? No. I don't think so. Oh, I guess they were both all... Oh, no, they got LSU next week. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, it's the thing, like, if you, everyone can throw an LSU. Throw an LSU. Like, to me, like, that's a legitimate question. By the way, can we talk about how selfish it was today? I know you're happy because you – that was such a, a me-first play. What are we you talking about? sat there. The LSU DB oh, that ran it back. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the game was over. Missouri was done with time. Hang on. You're, you're, oh, no, you're arguing the LSU guy shouldn't have scored? Yeah. The, Missouri was out of timeouts. You go it down. It puts you up two touchdowns, way. though. I, I mean, I get yeah. it, but it's... Right. Oh, oh shut up. only way to end the game. Come on. Well, hold on. No, 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 no. You cannot, you cannot <laughs> argue that Ole Miss should have taken a knee... And then also argue that the LSU kid should have scored. It's the same thing. The only way to end the football game was to go down. It's two scores. It's not one. It doesn't matter. Missouri would never have gotten the football back. The game would have been over. Uh, I know math is tough for you. I, I, I know. Like, I you, you hate numbers. You've always hated numbers. <laughs> yeah. I know. I know that. 
a tough thing. But the reality is, if you go down, Missouri would not have been able to stop the clock and get the ball back. Just a selfish True. me. For, and you know what? That's that's why that's why LSU is what they are. Just me first mentality. No team concept. You know, Jackson Dart doesn't care tonight that he's going 16 of 25. He's just, you know, <laughs> he just wants want the team to succeed. I have no idea why I can't, like, I, I don't know why I have some negative reaction to Missouri, but I do. Like, I just want Drinkwitz to lose every week. I can't help it. Like, it's just. I think it's, I think it's, uh, it, it's our profession. You think it's the Missouri and thing? I think it's the Missouri thing. And also, was that 20, what year did they come to town? 2013? Uh, it was 2012 or 2013. I don't remember. I think it was 2013. Yeah, I was, remember, that was like the coldest football game ever. Yeah. That's the strangest fan base I've ever seen. Like, they're, like, aggressive. Like, they wanted to – I remember, like, they came into town, like, they wanted to start fights and everything. I was like, yeah, I'm out on these people. Like, I, I get it. We probably root for the same baseball team, but I'm out. I'm, I'm good. But in fairness, I'm a Cardinals fan that doesn't like Cardinals fans. So, that made sense. And then Alabama throws on first down tonight. There on that last possession, yeah, I don't know I, what the hell they were I think, doing. I I think that was him screwing. So the kid was wide. They weren't cover, like whatever. A and M put like eleven in the box, and he was uncovered. And so he was just trying to throw it out to him, I guess, to get the touchdown. But that was the dumbest thing ever because why weren't they in victory formation? Why were they? A&M had one timeout left, right? Yeah. No, they could have run the clock out. That was not not necessary for any of that stuff. No. I don't. My thing is, like, when Saban was going nuts, it's like, hey, dude, you could have called victory. Like, why were y'all even running a play? Oh, what channel is this USC game on? Is it on Pac-12 uh, Network? No, no, no uh, USC. ESPN. Yeah. Where do I get it? Oh, it's ESPN. Yeah. What do you? What do you? What do you have? YouTube TV? Uh, Hulu. I'll find it. Okay. Give me a second. Uh, it's 206 for the heroes out there that still have direct TV. I still think I'm changing to YouTube TV. Like I, this, this interface for Hulu sucks. Uh, can't stand it. So, okay, here's the real question. What feels cheaper, Hulu or Peacock? It's Hulu. Like I, it's, it's the way it uh, integrates but, that I'm used to it, but... But, like, the thing about Peacock that's so frustrating, you can't, you like, to change channels or whatever... Exit out. At least in Hulu, I can kind of scroll around. Well, Hulu does the thing, and I'll get back on football in a second. Hulu is the thing, though, where when I go to the sports tab, it gives me every game that's streaming on ESPN instead of just the channels. So I'm having to flip through Ivy League streams to get yeah. to the main games that are actually yeah. on TV. That's the. It's basically that, like you're on the ESPN app. Like, yeah, yeah, that's very frustrating when you're like, no, I'm not looking for Harvard and Yale. Like I'm, I'm looking for USC in Arizona. Uh, we haven't talked about it, and Neil's not going to talk about it, so I'll talk about it with you. Um, I know it's just incompetence, but can we not fire officials? Like, why do like why are they remaining employed? Is my part because this is by far the worst crew. They were abysmal tonight on obvious things, on things that should have been reviewed. Hey, I mean, on. hasn't Ken hasn't hasn't Ken done championship games? 
I don't know. They are they are awful every year. They have the worst game, like they have the worst snafu every season. This was Ole Miss Auburn in twenty when they had the guy, the kickoff, but Ole Miss probably should have won the game. Yeah. This was the yeah. uh, backward spike thing with Arkansas and Auburn. That yeah. was that that crew. Yeah. And then today, where I oh, mean, I Ole, was, Ole Miss got I, a I really bad boy. whistle tonight. Okay, Ole Miss got a bad whistle. Penalties went ten to five. The other no, it, but but it wasn't about no. I mean, I, and I, I saw that too, but it wasn't really. It was more situational than number. Like, because like like Arkansas so, is getting a bunch of pre-snap penalties. Okay. I mean, I I think the simple answer is, Chase. There's just not that many good officials. Like, dude, dude, watch college football on a Saturday. And I know everyone loves to do the uh, the SEC, the three blind mice. And I think part of the problem is SEC officials are on a bigger microscope like because their games, every SEC game feels bigger. But, dude, officiating is horrible. And like, I think about it this way. Dude, I call high school football games. I have watched games in which the first down chains were set two yards away from the original line of scrimmage. Like, I, I just think it's not that many good officials. And when you do have, like, if you think about it this way, like, anytime there's, like, and you go, oh, that guy's a good official, usually you see him in the NFL in the next, like, two or three years. Like, mm-hmm. they just get brought up. I mean, the bigger question like I, Brad I've Freeman. written about this. Yeah. I mean, I wrote about, I don't know, 20, 30, like 10 years ago for the website. If the SEC is going to take itself as seriously as it does, why are they not paying for officials to the level that they claim to care? Like, if you're the SEC and you really do care about your competition and you care about um, whether or not people think there's a conspiracy or whatnot, like, shouldn't you just spend, I don't know, a million dollars to make sure you have better officiating? Because I think that's the bigger problem. The SEC, if, whoever the best crew in the SEC is, I guarantee it's not the best crew in the country. Mm-hmm. Pay them, uh, take and, them, like, figure it out. NFL officials make like two hundred grand. Like, okay, like, well, well, are you really telling me the SEC can't afford that? One day, hundred percent can afford it. They have to care. I mean, that's they the thing. If it's and if it look, it, if it's straight, that if it's that's it. They don't care, and it hasn't hurt their bottom line. So, what difference does it make? Exactly. Nobody's quitting. Nobody's quitting. Watching. It's well, not changing. And, anything. and in fairness, like in fairness, the NFL. Remember, they were fine with the they were fine with the replacement officials until Monday Night Football, the Seattle, uh, the fail Mary, where one guy's calling touchdown, yeah, the other yeah. guy's calling interception. They were fine with. They were totally fine with replacement officials until they got embarrassed. And I think that's kind of how the SEC views it. Like until we get embarrassed that like, and I don't think it's possible to get embarrassed really. I mean, they just sit there and go like, yeah, what are you going to do? Yeah. Calls are calls. Calls are made. So let's do the uh, finish up. Let's get back to it. Well, physical, make some call, some, uh, some calls on a second. Uh, final record where you at at the halfway point. I don't, you you've 
you put my brain into an absolute pretzel. I think you're right. I think anything worse than nine and three now is a disappointment. Nine and three only means State, Auburn, ULM, and Vanderbilt. Right. So if they go anything worse than nine and three, that means they lost one of those games. Which, in my opinion, is a any of those losses a devastating loss. I don't care if it's State. I don't care if it's. I know Auburn's at Auburn, whatever. Like this team sucks. Like if you can't beat Auburn on the road this year, like good luck. It's on you. Yeah. Van- Vanderbilt's horrible, and I think Rogers got hurt today, right? He did. Yeah. I guess though. I guess you could make the argument for what they want to do. Maybe Mike Wright's right. better. Maybe, but like I. I think you're right. Anything worse, like, and for all the, I know all the freeze guys love to say that, uh, you know, he, he didn't win. The, very rarely does Lane lose a game. He's not supposed to like, no, it was a game they could have easily lost. Like, I think a lot of coaches probably lose tonight. They didn't No, 27 to 10 right. in his last, in, in his 37 games. And they've done very well at home. They had one of the longest winning streaks in the country before Alabama last year at home. Yeah. And now they've they've done a good job again back in uh in Oxford. So anyway. I, I think you're right. Nine and three. Okay. We'll call it there. Appreciate it, bud. Talk All right, buddy. Have a good night. You too. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Jeffrey Wright, they're leaving the show. We'll get Brian on in a uh, in a second. Let me tell him to uh, go ahead and uh, make a call. I'll get some of these super chats as uh, as well. Are you ready to elevate your college football game day experience? Check out Twisted Tea, your go-to game day beverage for college football fans. Twisted Tea is unlike any hard beverage you've had before. It's made of real brewed tea and packs a flavorful punch with 5% alcohol, no carbonation, delivering the perfect balance of taste and refreshment that goes down smooth for every game day occasion. No need to settle for the usual. Twisted Tea turns up any occasion. 
especially when you're cheering for your favorite team. So whether you're tailgating at the stadium, watching at a bar, or hosting friends at home, Twisted Tea is there to elevate your game day experience. It perfectly complements your love for college football and your passion for creating unforgettable moments. So let's toast to unforgettable game day experiences. Twisted Tea, the drink that fuels fun and celebrates your love for college football. Keep it twisted. Thanks to you guys for uh, for bringing those up and getting back to them. I will see them out of the corner of my eye, but let's see. Um, Real Girl Online says, hey, guys, what happens when Dark comes back next year? So don't think draft grade would be great. Yeah, I mean, I asked somebody that this morning just sort of in passing, and it puts Walker Howard in a, in a weird spot because Jermaine Jackson Dart is, is a elite uh an elite quarterback at the college level. There's no doubt about that. His long ball hasn't been good. I, yeah, I don't think his draft grade would necessarily be great right now. He would be the quarterback next year. And, uh, you know, Howard came to to play. Um, at this point, it's just hard to see Jackson leaving or anything when he's set up the way he is for 2024 when Ole Miss is going to be a playoff contender. So, no, I mean, I don't I don't know. I think that is definitely, though, one of those deals you have to look at for next year that's, that's interesting. Um but at this moment, yeah, I would assume that he's back and he's the starting quarterback next year. I mean, we're we're on October the seventh, as I'm saying that, but I see no reason why that would not uh, why that not would not be the case right now. I'll ask Brian what he thinks in a minute. He has a, he has he probably has a little better read on Darth than I do um, of the the three of us with the site. Um, Memphis Rebel, thank you. Says Ole Miss is an average team that knows how to do enough to win. Yeah, but look, that's college football. That is 100 percent college football. That's just sort of what that is right now. Uh, Stanton, Super Chat, thank you. He says, uh, with Bama winning at Texas A&M, is there any realistic path for Ole Miss to get to Atlanta? We doomed to watch Georgia and Alabama in the SEC Championship game again. Look, I just don't see Alabama losing three times in any way. Like, three just doesn't make sense to me. So if you're talking about getting to Atlanta, it's going to require – I think it requires winning out, going eleven and one, and then Bama losing twice. But now at eleven and one, you're you have, you'd have a very very good uh, case for the playoff at that point. I mean, you just you you just would, um, and you wouldn't even have to play in the SEC championship game to do it. I mean, I think you'd have a chance to uh, um get in as that that kind of that fourteen that controversial pick, depending on what was going on out there in the Pac twelve. Uh, yes, Neil's going to jo- join the show tonight. Yes. Um. I, yeah, I just I mean you look at their schedule. I mean it would take some combination of Tennessee and LSU to give Alabama two losses, and I said two's the bare minimum because you already lost to them. So I mean they've they've already gotten through A and M and Ole Miss. I mean it is it's it's a, it's a stranglehold in the SEC West for Alabama at this point. Um, it's it's taken some drama out of it until they until they lose. It just like I said it just is. Yeah, look, the 2025, if nobody leaves, the 2025 quarterback battle is the one that's so interesting for Ole Miss because that's that's Simmons and Howard. Because, I mean, I, I, I love how the ball comes out of Austin Simmons' hand. I mean, it's raw as hell, but he's 17 years old. I mean, he can really spin it. Howard is definitely a better quarterback today than than Austin Simmons. But Simmons is athletic. He's talented. He's he's looked really good. Yeah, I mean, Doors is right. I mean, 
it's a tall order. It's six straight wins from now. I mean, we're you know they they snuck past Arkansas today, but eleven and one, it will miss us in the playoff. Yeah, you you would have beaten Georgia. You're in. Yeah, Ole Miss to get to Atlanta needed A and M to win today. Create this three way, two way thing that either gave Alabama another chance to lose some games or set up some tiebreakers in three in three ways where you beat A and M and you've beaten you know you'd beaten LSU and and you did it that way. Brian, how are you? Good. How are you? I'm good. Let's get you uh, get your video in. You were at the game tonight. How uh, atmosphere, just sort of environment, tension there in the third, fourth quarters. Take me through that a little bit. Yeah, I thought the uh, atmosphere and environment was pretty good. It was a, close to a sellout. There were a couple, you know, sparse sections towards the top, kind of by where the band is. But other than that, I thought the atmosphere was pretty great. It was a weird game. There was certainly some tension. Arkansas scores to go up 20-17 to 17, you know, early in the fourth quarter, and there was definitely you could sense some tension in there. But um, for the most part, I thought it was another great atmosphere. Weather was great today, and, uh, you know, it's another fall Saturday with a full stadium. So, Ole Miss is up at the break. Arkansas cuts that thing. What was kind of going through your head? Was there some, was there a point in times where you thought that Ole Miss could lose that football game? Not really until Arkansas. I mean, this is the obvious answer, but in, Arkansas goes up 20-17, to 17 and I got a pretty weird feeling about how this game could turn out. It was one of those games where I thought Ole Miss played with its food a bit. They had a couple chances to really break that game open and get up by a couple of scores and put their foot down and take control of the game, and they didn't do it. And then Arkansas goes up 20-17 to 17 there with about 11 minutes left. And that was really the first time because that I thought they might could lose the game just because Ole Miss had not really moved the football very well in the second half. Arkansas did a good job when they got Ole Miss off the field. They used a lot of clock. They moved the football down the field better. Um, as hard as that Arkansas offense is to watch, they had enough sustained success to make that game weird. I don't really understand what Dan Enos is doing with the whole Arkansas offense. I mean, they had trouble handing the ball off. It was like a – dysfunctional uh, slow mesh at a couple times where Jefferson almost fumbled. But because of Ole Miss's inability to get off the field on third down, they really extended the game and made it a lot closer than it had to be. But I guess to Ole Miss's credit, um, you know, when they had to go put a drive together and go down and score, they certainly did that. Ole Miss at the break. I asked Jeffrey this. I'm going to get your take on it. Am I nuts for setting Ole Miss's baseline now at 9-3? and three? Anything less than that's a disappointment, and frankly, even at nine and three, means you don't win one of the main games left on your schedule. Yeah, I think that's certainly the baseline now. I think the LSU game was probably the swing in terms of expectation of could this be a seven eight win season or is nine and three kind of the baseline? Look, wasn't a thing of beauty tonight by any stretch of the imagination, but Ole Miss is five and one entering a bye week where they're um, hopefully going to to be as healthy as they've been at any point in the season to attack the last six games. And I think that's as good of a place as you could ask them to be. It's certainly a better place than they were at the halfway point last year and really in the last couple of years. You know, they had those preseason injuries on offense where it finally felt like they're just now kind of getting healthy, getting back in the swing of things. And now you get a week off to rest before a pretty rough second half of the season. But I think the bye week comes at a good time. And I think Ole Miss is sitting in a good spot, despite not, tonight not being, you know, the most perfectly executed game by any stretch of the imagination. Ole Miss gets the touchdown late to go back ahead. They get the stop. Uh, 
I mean, I know it wasn't LSU last week, but what's what's sort of the energy in the place during that 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 period where Ole Miss made the surge to put the game away? Relief and excitement, I would say. I mean, I think there's something to to be said about this team in the last two games where it abs when it absolutely had to put a drive together, it did. Um, I'm just looking at the stats here. I haven't been able to look at a whole lot as I've been getting back from the game. But Ole Miss only had 396 yards of offense. They run for 196. Pass game is pretty sporadic. It looked like Dart got hurt on the second or third play of the game and wasn't he moving did. around very well. I saw Kiffin did say that in his halftime interview, something to the effect of you can figure it out. He's not moving around very well. So it just felt like they were surviving on offense after that. Was that a noticeable difference in the game? I mean, I'm going to go back and watch it on television in the morning, but it seemed like, you know, after Dart was hurt after that, the offense was a little bit different. I don't really know why. And then I saw that Kiffin somewhere in his postgame press conference alluded to the fact that our, he said, quote, best receiver, I'm assuming Trey Harris. I'm assuming he's not talking about Jalen Knox. Trey Harris was hurt at some point in that game. Is that correct? Yeah, Lane confirmed that Dart got hurt in the second play. And then, uh, then Harris also was banged up for whatever reason. Yeah, because, I mean, look, Jackson didn't look right. He was missing throws. Um, he was hesitant to run there in the second half. You know, when he got the legal man down – I know my camera's blurry. It'll fix itself in a second. Um, when the, the legal, legal man – Yeah, when the, the injury induced, I, I would have thought. I thought that at the time at least because he had yeah, plenty well, of room to run and he didn't do it. No, he was being hesitant at that point. I mean, he was – he. I mean, you know, look, I think it was just – aches and pains and whatever. I don't think it's anything moving forward, especially with a bye week and getting two weeks. But at the same time, um, I, I thought that it impacted a ton of things because they were, you know, especially when he was having to move around outside the pocket, he's typically pretty good throwing the ball in those instances. And he wasn't at all. I mean, he really struggled with that. Um, so I thought that I imagine that's a season high. Do what now? They almost allowed five sacks, and I imagine some of that had to do with Dart's lack of mobility, and I, I figure that's probably a season high, too, without actually looking it up. Yeah, I, w- I would definitely, because he he, I think he'd only been sacked like once through the first three or four games or whatever it was for uh, for sure. I got to ask this in the stream a minute ago about next year, and you understand Dart probably better than Neil or I do. Do you anticipate him back next season? Oh, what a question. Um, I think there is a – path for him back at Ole Miss I wouldn't put it at a hundred percent certainty um at all and again just to clarify this is not based on any sort of conversation I've had with Jackson Dart or anyone close to him by any stretch it's just kind of reading the tea leaves a little bit but uh you know I think there's a there's a path for him to be back I'm not necessarily sure what that looks like maybe it's a nine and three ten and two type season where they play really well and they just kind of want to run it back with a veteran quarterback um but I guess to 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 get at the root of your question, I do think there is an op- there's a certainly a better than uh, better than small chance that he is not back at Ole Miss next year. Again, not based on anything I've. Heard and you're not you're and when you say that, not to put words in your mouth, you're not talking about simply NFL. No, I think there would be a world where he ends up on another college roster. I definitely think that is a possibility. But um, again, I don't uh, how likely that <laughs> is. I will have a much better idea. I think in mid to late November. But um, I mean, I think it's certainly certainly possible but um you know we'll see how the rest of the season plays out if they go 10 and 2 and he plays well um i don't see any reason why he wouldn't necessarily be back but uh i don't know what do you think just i mean your guess would be as good as mine at this point no you've got a better idea than i do i i I just find it fascinating considering the overall program situation of like what walker howard came in to do because you know i mean like i said you look at what what, where walker howard's situation is right now and i think i said this right before you got on the show was he's got 
the Dart thing if Dart comes back next year. But then he also has this thing with Austin Simmons, who is incredibly talented. So it's just it's just not looking like you know it's not a it's not this seamless path that maybe we once thought six months ago because of the way Lane and the coaching staff has upgraded that roster all the way through at quarterback. He likes Ole Miss. I think he really really enjoys this team. I think he enjoys being a leader on this team. But I mean, you know as well as I do, things can we can live in a much different world in seven weeks than we do right now. So we'll see. Jeffrey would ask how good this team was, what makes them good. What are sort of your grades, if you will, on them through six games? We're at the halfway point. I don't know how good this team is. Um, you know, they blew a golden opportunity to win a game in Tuscaloosa, and then they had their backup against the wall down nine points with eight minutes left last week and responded. But it hasn't been perfect by any stretch. They haven't had a game yet where the defense and the offense have both both played you know, A minus, A plus games, and they didn't seem like they put it all together. And so, you know, tonight if Ole Miss had played very well offensively and coupled that with what the defensive performance ended up being, I'd have probably had a little bit more of a uh, optimistic outlook in terms of having a def- definitive answer on just how good this team is. And so I-, I don't really know how to answer that. I'd give them a B offensively and maybe a B plus to A minus defensively. I mean, outside of, you know, two and a half quarters of football against LSU where they really couldn't stop anybody. I think the defense has been fine. I don't understand the third down thing. You know, they get penetration. They create plenty of negative plays. But, man, you get into third and 13 and somehow they just can't get off the field. Um, So, I don't know. I'd probably give them a B to B plus across the board. I mean, again, five and one is a great spot to be. But I'm still trying to figure out what I think of this team six games in, as crazy as that sounds. No, it's their toughness that's made them a good team. 100%. 100%. They don't lay eggs. They find ways to win games, and they've dominated the last six minutes of games they could win. That's it. They they have been dominant to pull games out of the fire, to put games away, to do things, to basically get Ws, which is the point. I mean, college football is no longer a style contest. It's not what it's going to be. I mean, look at Miami tonight losing to Georgia Tech. Look at Notre Dame in the in, in Louisville. Like, just just win the freaking football game. That's it. It feels just, like much more just, of an NFL like week to week survival than it does style points and like you mentioned, you know, how you look in a given week. And I don't know. I mean, now we I guess we can go and talk about like a long term expectations for this team. Does Alabama lose twice now that they got AM out of the way? Like, do you really trust LSU to beat them in Tuscaloosa? I know they have Tennessee. Well, let's see, but see, it, but twice requires you to win out. Frankly, you're not even worried about Atlanta at that point because if you go eleven and one, you're making the freaking playoff. You don't want to go to Atlanta because that's just one more game you got to win. That's a good point. I never. That's the irony, actually. If Ole Miss goes eleven and one, they're in the playoff. I know some people said you're not going to pass four champions, but you are because you would have wins over Georgia. Like you're in. Um, You have to in a in a world where you went eleven and one and Alabama lost twice, you'd have to beat Georgia twice to make the playoff. It's a good because you have to win the championship game. And you're positive they get in at eleven and one. I just have a hard time believing an SEC team that's one loss was in Tuscaloosa to an Alabama team that's also probably going eleven and one. I think you're in with the champion of the SEC. I do. I mean, I, yeah. I just, I mean, a win in Athens and you win eleven and one, and you have Lane Kiffin as your head coach. 
Fair. You mentioned nine and three being the baseline. What's the other loss? Clearly, obvious. I mean, the most obvious one would be them losing in Athens. What what other one sticks out to you? Is it I'm just saying that they're going to be heavily favored in four of their last six games, and that gets you to nine and three. From a Vegas standpoint, they're going to be favored against in, in Auburn. They're going to be favored against Vanderbilt, ULM, and Mississippi State. They have two games left that they have. They have a pick them essentially against Texas A and M at home, and they're going to be an underdog in Athens. What do you give them in those two games? One and one, zero oh and two. I mean, that's my point. I mean, if you go zero oh and two, you're still nine and three. Right. I mean, nine and three is going to the Citrus Bowl. Can they win in Athens? That uh, Kentucky Georgia game was at the same time, but I was in my parents' seats, so I could watch some of it on the. TV. I don't know Georgia. I mean, look, Georgia did what I thought they were going to. They would have done in the past, and I'm really mad at myself because in picks. I sort of predicted this, but I was scared of it. Is that I just thought it was finally going to be that game where Georgia came out and just wrecked somebody and, and, and did the dominant thing that they've done in past seasons when somebody kind of comes up to to challenge their throne, if you will. Um, they were really good. Now, Kentucky made a lot of errors. They were playing almost too hyped at times. But Georgia runs them out, and Carson Beck looked the most comfortable he's been all season. He was really good at quarterback tonight. Georgia looked like the Georgia we sort of expected tonight. It was by far their best game of the season. They were they were great, and it's the other thing that I thought, which is Kentucky is five and zero, five and one now. They had beaten no one. Florida was their best win. Florida's schizophrenic at best. They can bully you at the line of scrimmage unless you can kind of bully back, and then Kentucky has problems. And that that's what you saw tonight was Kentucky wasn't going to go in and bully Georgia. And Georgia was more precise. Georgia was more composed. They had better playmakers. They just sort of put that thing to bed. Um, also, Leary can't run. Georgia's susceptible with a running quarterback a little bit. So the way for Ole Miss to get into that game is to get a touchdown or two and then also to, uh, you know, to, to, to use the quarterback from a running standpoint. Hey, I got Neil calling me. Let me uh, grab him and we'll, uh, we'll catch up. Sounds good. Have a good one. Yep. There's Brian right there. I'm going to go ahead and jump and get Neil in since he is. Uh... Neil, how are you? Can you hear me? Yeah. Okay. Making sure. You are uh you were live. I'm getting your camera in right now, but you're alive. Okay. We were just talking, uh <laughs> kind of laughing a little bit because I've asked everybody this and we keep having the same conversation. Oh Miss Five and One at the break is we're recalibrating here. Anything less than nine and three is a disappointment, right? Oh, I hadn't thought about it that way. Uh let's see. You're going to be a considerable favorite against Auburn, Mississippi State, ULM, and uh, yeah. Vanderbilt, and you have yeah, uh, yeah. you have a basically Anything a pick them against yeah, A and M. Nine and three would be the the floor at this point. I would think that that would be acceptable. Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, you're all, processing that a little bit in your head as we talk. Yeah, I was just doing some math. I mean, the at. I'm not giving them at Auburn the way as many because just because you know what's coming. It's a tough place to play, and he's going to be. I started to write that he would sell his soul, but <laughs> then I was going to make a joke about what's left of, and then I just was like, no, I don't need to do that. Let, let it be. Um, 
he's going to be up for that game if they have anything left in them. They got to go what to LSU next weekend. So I mean, they they got other things on their mind. But yeah, I mean, nine and three is feels like the floor now. You want to really put the cart before the horse for a second? Like really? Sure. To the point sure. I'm going to like you're, you're going to you're going to roll your eyes at me. Oh, we're going to do the A and M thing, setting up the Georgia game. Eleven and one, getting the playoff. Oh well, I kind of obviously you haven't had a chance to read my column yet. I have not. Um, eleven and one, because here's the deal. It's what I was laughing about. If you go eleven probably, and one, you don't need Alabama to lose games because you need you don't want to play the SEC championship game because then you have to beat Georgia twice. You want to go yeah, eleven no, and one and try to get in with the conference champion. I mean, again, it's putting the cart. Oh God, the horse we're, we're we're not running the cart before the horse. We're running the entire Oregon Trail cavalry in front of the horse. Yeah, I mean, because the, the horse <laughs> the horse is like I'm not running all the way to that cart right now. Um, <laughs> but but yeah, I think so. I think I mean, given kind of the way that the landscape is shaping up, probably. Um, yeah, probably. And you're right. You wouldn't want to have to play them twice. Um, if you were able to beat them in Athens, you'd want to just say, hey, Alabama, have at it. Do mm-hmm. your thing. And then you'd probably have to have some help. Like, you, would, you wouldn't you would want. You need, you need a two-loss Pac-12 champion, that kind of thing. Yeah, you wouldn't want Texas to turn around and beat Oklahoma in a Big 12 title game and get all that kind of confused. I, I will say this. If, if we had the 12-team playoff this year, our entire – However many podcasts we do next week, and we won't do the full compliment, but however many we did on the bye week would all be about playoff scenarios. We oh, because they'd be golden go, right now. Yeah, I mean, they'd be, they would be in the playoff. We would be talking about where they would be and what needs to happen and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Jason, thanks for Super Chat. He says, uh, Neil and Chase is 10-2 and 21 and 9-3 and or 10-2 and this year, finally shutting down any lane criticism. That's a lot of success. Yeah, it's a lot of wins. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know who's really doing the criticism. I mean, you can criticize the end of last season if you want to. I mean, it happened, but that happens to a lot of teams. I mean, frankly, outside of Alabama and Georgia in the last handful of years, Ole Miss has been as successful as anybody, and more so than than most. I mean, other than those two, those are the two that are. They're clearly ahead of everybody else. They prove it week after week after week. They just win games. What was the Georgia final, by the way? I lost uh, track after. A lot. I mean, it was a big blowout. They looked like we thought they were going to look, and they did the thing that we always talk about where they completely shut down the team that sort of tries to mess with their throne at all. Yeah. 51-13. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> That'll, that'll shut some of us up for a while. Yeah, that'll do it. Poor old Kentucky. Well, and, and, and I told Brian a minute ago, Kentucky is pretty good when they can bully, and they can't bully Georgia, and Georgia's so much more precise in skill players and that kind of thing. And frankly, what's, what's scary for everybody, including Ole Miss, is that, as I said too, Carson Beck looked pretty comfortable. He he, he 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 looked good today. He looked like he sort of was operating that offense in a way that actually can be dangerous. He threw for, what, 300 and something yards in the first half alone? He's averaging 300 on the season, sneakily. 
Yeah, I mean. Somebody asked up earlier, is there a danger of a quarterback leaving if Dark comes back? Yes, because there's always a danger of a quarterback leaving because they all want to play. That is just college football yeah. in 2023. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the days of guys sitting and waiting for years on end are probably over. Carson Beck waited his turn a couple of years. I mean, we're again, we're putting carts in front of horses. I have no idea what Austin Simmons' ideas are with football and baseball and all those things, and Walker Howard has used his transfer. Um, I don't think this is what he had in mind when he transferred in, but he's used his transfer nonetheless. He wasn't expecting an Austin Simmons or a third-year starter Jackson Dart. If that comes I think to the dark, the dark part more than Simmons, you know. Sure. I mean, I think obviously he he believed it's. I mean, yeah. We've covered this ground. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Lane, give us. I know he didn't, but you give any peek into what is ailing Trey Harris or Jackson Dart? Uh, or I can tell you what's ailing Jackson Dart because I just looked at his swollen knee. Um, okay. He's got a swollen knee. He says he's good. That's all he said about it. But but. Uh, he was limping quite noticeably uh, post-game. I thought it impacted him throughout the game. Lane said as much. Uh, he referred to Trey's injury as a lower body injury. I couldn't tell whether they were looking at um, – It looked groin I, or hamstring. I, I At first I thought he had taken a helmet or something to the one place that you really just don't want to take a helmet, but – they appeared to actually be looking at something, and he tried to go and couldn't. So I, I have a when, – when it first happened, I thought he'd done something to his shoulder the way it was kind of hanging. So I don't know whether – I hate to speculate, but it, I think it was something muscular that and, and not just a shot to the growing that hurts like hell and then it goes away and you're fine. He, he was not fine at the end of the game. He tried to go and couldn't. And we don't know what Harris is. Yeah, we don't. I mean, no, I mean, he only caught one ball. He had five targets, one catch tonight. I mean, there wasn't there wasn't a lot there from a Harris standpoint. Jordan Watkins was their main receiver. Yeah, as as he actually, has been. I actually thought Arkansas made a couple of adjustments to their secondary, and that that they played pretty well on the back end. You know, Zachary Franklin either didn't play or didn't play much. Priestcorn wasn't really a factor in the game. Other than getting a holding penalty, um, and a, and the false start on the phantom call there, both. Yeah, that was a weird call. That was Ole Miss thought it had a free play. They didn't blow the whistle, and he 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 definitely went before the snap. But I think he went because he saw Arkansas go. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. What's What's your main thesis of this team? We're six games in, and I mean, I, I wrote a little bit, and I've kind of been staying on topic here. In this world of college football, there's no style points. You just win games, and they've been really good in the last five to six minutes of games to put games away and not have the loss that they're not supposed to have. That's Lane Kiffin's. Yeah, outside of last year, that's what Lane Kiffin's hallmark has been. It's what I will write about tomorrow, um, and I'll probably lead 10 thoughts with it is, it's kind of similar to what I wrote last Sunday, which is, you know, last week when LSU took a nine-point lead, that was a pretty key moment in that game. You you don't get a – you don't drive and score there. You're probably not beating them. And tonight, I don't know, when Arkansas scored to go to take the lead with – it was like 13 and change left, 
it kind of felt big that next drive and you know it was fourth and one at like the 29 or the 30 34 i guess it would have been the 34 um because I mean, I can say this now that the game's over and it went the way it went. Cam Little's got a pretty big leg. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, um, it was fourth and one at the thirty-four, and I think I don't have the book in front of me. I'll have to go back and look in the morning. I'll get it right. But they went for it. Ole Miss did. And at the time, I'm like, man, you you don't get this right here somehow, some way. You don't convert this, and you have to. You give them the short field with the three-point lead and they punch it in and go up 10, you're in trouble. I mean, you might be cooked. And they got it. And then they had a third and six, I want to say, and he hit Watkins for a seven-yard pass. And they ended up driving down the field and scoring. I, I, I think this team's calling card right now, believe it or not, is not explosive offense and all that. I think it's more resilience. There's a toughness to them that, I don't know that they really had last year. They missed nine straight third downs to start the game and then picked up the three to put the game away. They hit Watkins for whatever. They hit they hit the, the ball. They, they converted a third and ten, and then Bentley got the, the last one there to, to go ahead and kill it. Um, by the way, I told Jeffrey this. Bentley's their best running back. Bentley fits what their offensive line can do better than Quinshawn. Yeah. Um, you know, last year, for whatever reason, maybe it's just Nick Broker. Last year, for whatever reason, this was a, a more of a ground and pound offensive line. They could really they could really uh, punish you. Maybe we didn't give enough credit to Casey Kelly as a blocker. I don't know. I mean, you know. But this year, you need a shiftier back who can make people miss and, and that kind of thing, and that's obviously Bentley. Um, and they're using them both. I mean, you know, Quinchon ended up with decent numbers because he got that 30-something yard run kind of late in the game. Um, but, yeah, for, I agree with that. Yeah, I mean, I guess productive might be better is a, is the better word than better. But, yeah, that makes sense, whatever, whatever you want to make of that. Uh if something trips this team up once or twice, what's it going to be? Oh, that's a good question. Um, it's, it, it, it's look if if Dart's going to be hurt and Harris, if Harris is hurt, I just don't know that they have enough downfield stuff to keep scoring with people. Um. You know they now they and here's what will kill them because they didn't turn it over tonight. They didn't turn it over last week. You know they won the turnover battle tonight, and that turned out to be critical. I mean, Sistrunk's interception in the first half led to three points, and then obviously the last interception, you know, ended the game. I don't know, Chase. I mean, I don't think this is a great team. I don't think anybody would look at this team if you took the uniform off and watched them play and go, "Man, that's a great football team." They just kind of find ways to win, and and. They only have one potentially great team left on their schedule. I mean, before the season, if you'd offered everybody nine or ten wins, most people would have taken it. And, you know, you can you can sort of revise history and move the goalpost halfway through the season. That's fine. That's We're going to do it too. But, you know, I, this, this team's 
It's, it's five and one at the turn, and anybody would have taken five and one at the turn. Anybody. I mean, anybody would have said, yep, well, I'll, I'll take that because obviously you go back and look at it now that the first half is over. Tulane was scary. Uh, they lost at Bama. Uh, LSU was scary. And, and at times tonight, Arkansas was scary. So, you know, you, you get to be five and one, sure. I mean, you know, and look, they should – They'll, they won't do a whole lot in the open date. He's going to let some guys heal. And then they'll have their hands full at Auburn, but it's still a game that I think they should win, and then they'll beat Vanderbilt. They're horrible. And then A&M. you get A&M here. You get A&M here. I mean, if you played A&M over there, I'd be like, ah, it's, I'd probably bet on A&M. But it'll, it, it'll be a hell of a game here, and it'll be close, and I think. And Maybe by that time you've kind of fixed some things. I still think they're trying to figure out where exactly to put Suntering Perkins. Um, I think they're still trying to figure out their defensive back rotation a little bit. They're getting better up front. Um, Stone kind of comes and makes plays, and Ukwu made some plays, and um, they're kind of getting contributions from different people. I thought their safeties played well tonight generally. Dejon Anthony Um, was really good again. He was. Saunders was good. Um, yeah, I mean, there. If something tripped them up, it would just be ran into balanced teams that could score and and teams that were pretty gifted up front defensively that that ultimately just bogged the offense down. That's that's what I'd guess. But look, they won last week in a shootout, and this week the defense carries them. That's what that's what really good teams do. Really good teams find different ways to win games. The offense was electric last week. This week it was it was not. It was kind of bogged down, and the defense was pretty porous last week. And 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 this week the defense was really good. They held Arkansas to thirty six yards run, rushing, I think. Um, held Rocket Sanders to fifteen yards, I think, if if I've got that right. Um, I mean, those are those are numbers that you know other teams haven't haven't done against them. They, I thought they really made KJ Jefferson for the most part look bad Mm -hmm. i I thought that made him look pretty bad you know at at times and uh they had some moments where it looked like arkansas was getting a little bit of rhythm especially in the third quarter but then to turn around in the fourth quarter and 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 throw a shutout the way that they did after that touchdown with 13 and change to go was kind of speaks volumes about about the defense and in the same way that last week getting two stops in the last eight minutes did Arkansas is going to be two and five after next week. They're in Tuscaloosa um, for yeah. their uh, for their next game. He's in deep trouble, right? Yeah, he's in deep trouble. Um, you know, I talked to a couple of the writers here. I won't use names because I don't think they would want me to repeat it. But they're they have they have two things they have to address. One is they're getting close to that point where you do the whole well. He gets one more year, right? At which point the natural answer is, well, if we know what we're doing in a year, why aren't we doing it now? And then obviously they've got to address for them, they've got to address NIL. Uh, I was told tonight that there's more NIL money there for uh, basketball than there is football. And obviously Eric Musselman's doing a hell of a job with basketball, but in today's SEC, I just don't know that you can justify that. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't think you can look at 
well, all the all the NIL money is going to basketball, and they have a ton of NIL money going to baseball, as you know. They have a very healthy, well, I was told tonight, very healthy NIL program in baseball. Uh, football, not so much. So they, they've got to figure that out because, like, you watched – I didn't watch much of it because uh, yeah, I just didn't. But, I mean, Texas and Oklahoma are joining the league, and they're both pretty damn good, and they both have really strong NIL programs. So Arkansas is going to have to figure that out in the same way that Ole Miss has had to figure it out. You know, I mean, I heard a couple of names tonight. I'd heard those names. It's probably the one thing that I've in, in my journalism career that I'm decent at is, is coaching searches. And um, there's no question that the beginning stages, the very early, crazy early stages of exploration has sort of begun. Did you watch much LMA and M today? I watched uh, the first half, and then I left to come here. And and um, when I got here, I, I didn't get a chance to see it. So I, I really didn't get a chance to see the. And I saw the last couple of minutes on someone's laptop, but not. Re- I saw the first half. I would have, and I would have be- guessed based on the first half that A and M was going to win the game. They handled the line of scrimmage really well, but Alabama is so elite defensively in that front seven. And they were so much more composed and just the better coached, performing team. A&M still has that issue they always have, which is what keeps them from getting over the hump, is that they just kind of do dumb things and they freak out and they just don't keep it together the way that you have to do to be elite. And it's what cost them a game or two here and there. And that, that, that did it there. I mean... Alabama is finding itself, but it, it, not in the way that a normal Alabama team does, in the way that they're methodical and they have a little bit of an identity and they're doing what Ole Miss is doing right now, which is just finding ways to win football games. And it's not necessarily pretty, but okay, it's fine. Yeah, and they're getting to the, a weird spot, right? Because they have two losses now. A&M, yeah. And I don't, yeah, I don't know who they have left. They still have to go to Tennessee, I think. They still have to come here. They've still got LSU. Um, that that deal could get weird for them. That fast. could go eight and four in a hurry. Yeah, and eight and four for them is is no man's land. It's like, what do you do? You're firing an eight and four coach, paying him sixty million dollars to go away, and then look. I think it applies to them. Is it's to finish the Arkansas part of the conversation, and this was part of the Ole Miss conversation last year, as you know. Not only do you have to decide as a decision okay are we firing this guy or not are we moving on or not the the second part of that equation is really critical if we do who can we get and the the problem that arkansas has the a&m will not have at all the problem that arkansas has is does anybody really want the job Mm -hmm. will people use the job for leverage sure but does anybody really want the job? A&M's problem, if they got there, and it's a good problem to have, is who would want the job? A lot Damn of near everyone. Yeah. Damn near everyone. Um, and so they've got to decide, okay, well, is it worth doing? And if so, who, who do we get? Because, look, if you're going to move on from Fisher and, and, and give him $60 million to go play on his ranch, the next guy's got to win. I mean, you you – you can't blame Jimbo for it because whoever gets into that job is going to inherit a ton of talent. Yeah. 
Uh, Super Chat asking how long is Lane here and what's the future of the program? I don't know. I mean, the Venn diagram of teams that will pay him more and will take him is very small. I mean, Lane could be here yeah. for a while. I mean, yeah, I, just, I don't know where he's going. I mean, I don't – like, for example, I don't think Lane Kiffin fits at Texas A&M. I mean, at all. You know, I mean, if, if – I mean, an NFL gig maybe I mean, it comes about. I I don't I don't know. I mean, here's the thing: nobody nobody really knows Lane. So when when people try to talk like they know what's in his mind and stuff, they're they're basically lying. I mean, I just yeah. don't know that anybody anybody really knows him well enough to know he he's got this thing going. I mean, I don't know. I mean, he won ten games two years ago. He won eight games last year. He's going to win. At least eight this year, and probably more than that. I mean, he's getting paid a lot of money. They let his dog run out on the field and grab the tee. Um, I mean, I, I, you know, I mean, I just they let him do whatever he, they let him do whatever he wants, pretty much. So I mean, I, I, I mean, are there are there jobs that are better jobs than Ole Miss? Yes, of course. Has is Ole Miss a top twenty job today? Yeah, it is. So I mean, wh- where's he going? I mean, I mean, I guess if Texas A and M called him and offered him twelve million a year, sure, the odds of that happening are just like infinitesimally small. Mm-hmm. And yeah, but, I mean, a real candidate for the twelve team playoff next year. So yeah, and for the gazillionth time, Alabama's not hiring Lane Kiffin. Yeah, so that's not and 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 Nick Saban doesn't act like he's leaving. So, but Alabama's not hiring Lane Kiffin. It's not against nothing against Lane, but people there remember when Lane was there, and Lane has yeah. Lane has grown Lane has grown up since his time at Alabama. But but people remember stuff there, and that's 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 not happening. That the, the Alabama will go after Dan Lanning really hard. Last couple things. Did you see the sequence of that Miami ending? Um. I read about the third and fourth down thing, and then I saw the final play. Could have just taken a knee and run the clock out, handed it off, and fumbled to give Georgia Tech the ball back, and they score on the last play of the game. It, it just it's, it's it's it happened all day today. It's 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 like a freaking. I mean, it's it's like going through the country. Quit can handing the ball about, off. Just take a knee. Ta- I'm going to give you credit for this. You've been saying this for the longest time. Elijah Drinkwitz, uh, in in the last two minutes of that game, I, I just looked at the TV and went, "What in the flying are you doing?" It's fourth and thirty something. Punt the ball, get them out there and punt it right now. You have all three timeouts. Make them do something. I mean, Jaden Daniels almost fumbled anyway. Um, make them do something. Get the ball back and give yourself a chance. You have a kicker who can kick the ball a gazillion yards. I think they were down three points. You you want you you still have to play field position. He went for it on fourth and 30-something and ran a hook and lateral play that got like 20 yards. Well, your punter's going to punt it more than 20 yards. Maybe mm-hmm. he, earlier in the game, the punter had kicked one 60 yards. Maybe he'll boom another one. You have all three timeouts. It, it was... I was I was already frustrated that I was watching football on a day that football really didn't matter. And I was so 
I, 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 he deserves he deserves all the ridicule that he gets. I, I'm I'm completely. I've I've tried to give him every benefit of the doubt, and I gave up after today. <laughs> Jeffrey was very angry at the LSU defender for scoring. What's the, oh yeah, that's well, that was fitting. It was fitting that not only did they lose, but that they didn't cover after that hor- horrific amount of clock management. Put an asterisk next one next week for Ole Miss's bye week. Uh, they can play Kentucky next week. It's an interesting game. Mizzou? Oh, yeah, it will be. Because I'd rather lose the way that Kentucky lost than lose the way that Missouri lost. Because Kentucky gets back on the plane and they're like, oh, they're better than us. Let's just move on. Yeah. Missouri goes, that, that one got away. And he had the atmosphere there for an 11 a.m. game was electric. It was great. They were, they were ready. They were ready from the – that place was jam-packed at the opening kick, and he failed him. So uh, we get 14 days of Lane and Hugh and Auburn and Ole Miss and the Rebels oh at 5-1. and one. Are you excited? You ready? <laughs> you, you pumped up for no. what's to come? No. Now, now Auburn no. has LSU on Saturday. Yeah, I'm glad that we have an open date. I plan to, uh, I, I plan to, to utilize my open date. Um, oh, I hear people behind me. Sorry. Um, and then, um, yeah, the whole Hugh Freeze thing. We got to figure out a plan on the Hugh Freeze thing. Like, just just how far. Well, you're you're riding the long form. You're going to go over there and talk to him and get the feature up for next Tuesday <laughs> or Wednesday. And then, can you imagine? Can you imagine if I just if I showed up at Auburn like, hey, I'm going to camp out here for a few days. <laughs> Send him a text. Go, hey, can I embed? Can we can we do a can we do an embed? I mean, I don't know who would I don't know who would hate me more, like some of the writers there or or Hugh. Be yeah. close. Uh, last thing, Andrew says, what does Kiffin and company have to do to take the next step in the uh, SEC? I mean, they're you doing it. Go you want to say hello to our show? No, I'm you sure? Uh, oh, it's our, it's the uh, MPW Digital Post Game Show. Say hello to the people. What's your name? Oh, my name is Mackenzie. This is Mackenzie, everybody. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, Mackenzie. I'll be out of no, here. I, mean, I know I'm in the way. No, Kiffin's doing it. I mean, go win 10 games. That puts you at 10 game, ten wins two out of three years. That's the next step. Because next year, there's a 12-team playoff. You're at the next step. The next step is now yeah. making the playoff. It exists next year. Yes, of course. That's why this year's like just sort of a sentimental final year. And if you do something great, great. But no, it's all about if you, again, I mean, we talked about this at the beginning. If you think about next season, if Ole Miss is five or any teams, five and one at the turn next season, they're talking about the playoff because 12 are going to make it. Presumably four SEC teams will make the 12 team playoff, maybe five. Yeah, you, right now, Ole Miss would be a lock. For the playoff, you'd be Alabama, Georgia, Ole Miss, and right now Missouri would just be curled up in a fetal position because they would have just killed themselves, just destroyed themselves by losing that game today because that was a game they could have and should have won. And instead, that's where it's at. That's the, and look, I mean, that's the closing thought here is that. What Ole Miss did. Ole Miss easily could have lost that football game tonight, and they didn't. They found a way. They they did things on both sides of the ball, down three points to, that that could have cost them the game. Um, so 
I, look, I mean, again, I mean, yeah, it absolutely is. I mean, it's probably the theme of what I'm going to write tomorrow, which is, I mean, you don't have to change a lot to get Ole Miss to two and four. But they're not. They're five and one. They found ways to win those games. They didn't blow out Tulane. They didn't blow out Arkansas. They didn't blow out LSU. They, but they found ways to win those games. And, to, you know, as down as they were coming out of Tuscaloosa, you know, one thing I will say that I, I did cross my mind today is this was as Ole Miss was struggling at times. I thought they struggled with energy a little bit. I thought both teams struggled with energy, frankly. I didn't think either team had just tons of energy. Um, you know, had they lost to LSU last week late in that game, this this probably probably goes the other way. Yeah, I, I think I, th- I think you were exactly right on your preseason thing, and it felt like it was three or five wins, not four. Yeah, because they were going to ride last week either way. I get a lot. I get a lot wrong. I realize that, but I think I was right on that. I, I think. Yeah. I think the LSU game was two games. Yeah, I, 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 agree. I don't think. I don't think a three and two Ole Miss gets just enough juice, not the dog, but juice to. Uh, they, they, they would have been in trouble tonight, I think. And looking ahead two weeks, Arkansas is in Tuscaloosa. They have a game back in Fayetteville the next week against Mississippi State. That's mm-hmm. kind of his his big horn, if you will. I, I think so. I, I, I think in a scenario where he loses to Mississippi State, and then I think he has to go to Florida after that. He gets Look, their, their disaster scenario is fully in play. Uh, Not, I I think if you made me pick today, I would pick Arkansas over Mississippi State in Fayetteville. But if they lost that game, and then lost to Florida, lost to Auburn, even in a scenario where they beat FIU and lose to Missouri, he's he's not surviving three and nine. Yeah, he's to have a chance to survive. He's got to get to five and seven, and eh, good luck. Yeah, no, I agree. All right, get out of there. Let Mackenzie do her job. We'll uh, we'll catch up. All right, talk to you soon. Uh, <clears throat> was Neil McCready there on the uh, Campbell Clinic? I guess hotline. We'll call it that, even though it's not necessarily a normal uh, a normal podcast, if you will. Again, Ole Miss knocking off Arkansas, twenty-seven to uh, twenty, and like, I just really can't say enough about. Ole Miss's ability to uh, to finish games. Um, it's just it, it's absolutely the the main point of this uh, this season so far is they've been so tough in those last five six minutes. I mean, it's something that you've seen Ole Miss teams go the other way. You've seen them blow games, lose games they're supposed to win. The hallmark of this Lane Kiffin program right now, outside of all the crap that happened at the end of last season, has been winning games you're supposed to win and having showing a lot of toughness. There's a lot of chemistry that's involved with uh, this thing as. Uh, as well, I told you at the beginning, let's mention it again, about uh, Dead Soxy and the offer that they are giving you right now. It's a great offer there from Dead Soxy. Uh, again, they've inquired about missing the initial score sell start of the season. That was during the Mercer game. Assuming the Rebels are off this next week, Dead Soxy is not taking a week off. 40% off from your favorite sock brand. Um, that's going to be in place until the start of the Auburn game on October 21st. So take a break, kick those feet up, lock in some red and blue socks at an incredible 40% off discount. DeadSoxy.com. Code Rebel Grove 
for 40% off the best socks you'll ever wear. Again, sit back, relax, and stay soxy. Ole Miss gets a couple guys banged up, so we'll continue to monitor Jackson Dart, Trey Harris, but a much-needed bye week, and the Rebels at 5-1 and one with a lot of goals still in front of them after a, uh, a gutsy, really impressive in a number of ways win over Arkansas. Again, 27-20. The home team has now won five straight in the series. They got after K.J. Jefferson. They sacked him five times. They took advantage of the uh, porous Arkansas offensive line, uh, really doing a lot defensively there in that run game. So thanks to Neil. Thanks to uh, Brian and Jeffrey. And then most of all, thanks to you guys. Appreciate you guys so much for hanging out with us, checking in here after the game. We're back uh, podcast. Again, it's a bye week, a little different schedule, but we got some stuff. I know Neil and, Neil's doing some basketball this week. I've got some baseball coming this week as well, and then plenty of football with the Rebels at the halfway point of the season at 5-1. and one. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.